0: Hello, I'm Emily Austin, founder and CEO of a London-based PR agency called Emerge. I'm passionate about launching and scaling small businesses and have been fortunate enough in my 13-year career to work with some of the most exciting, category-defining brands in the world. I started my business when I was 22 years old, fresh out of university. Since that time, the world has got louder. Our expectations have become harder and our lives have become busier fobbing friends off with a stock answer we've all become accustomed to, I'm so busy, seems to be a mark of status. But when did that happen? Why has the goal become to never have any free time? And just what the fuck is everyone doing? My own experiences of the rhetoric around entrepreneurialism is that everyone's full of shit, and no one actually tells the real story. This podcast aims to give you a realistic, detailed and honest insight into the reality of running a business from some of our favorite entrepreneurs. Amy Wine is a business born out of COVID. The founders have a really really interesting story both of them not necessarily working in this industry felt like they took a real punt and went back to basics, moved in with family members and really committed to it to try to make it work. We talked a lot about the point at which you know a business is doing well enough to continue uh, when a side hustle becomes a main hustle. We also looked at the complexities of launching a business in COVID and what happens when you emerge out of something like that. COVID has been an extraordinary time incubator opportunity but it also uh, magnifies everything so you know consumers perhaps drink more they buy more homewares etc what happens after that when people begin to focus more on the impact on their mental health or start looking at reducing drinking and how do brands navigate that We also talked about creating a beautiful brand, looking at early adopters of the business and what's ahead for the brand. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you're drinking a glass while you listen to it. And no doubt there's lots of lessons that you can learn for your own business. A good place to start is at the beginning. So can you tell me what your business is and then what problem you started the business to solve?
1: So Amy is a wine brand for friends, and we started during COVID in lockdown one. So I think for us, the problem that we were solving then was, you know, at the time, there wasn't really a DTC wine brand that was out there. We were kind of like the first one. And I think, you know, everyone was at home during lockdown, and I think drinking wine was something that... You know, people were doing more of, and it was easy for them to order our product online. And I think,
2: yeah, that- I think the fact that COVID, um, we were sort of reactive with COVID, and we offered sort of free delivery, and yeah, um, so people could order sort of to their door. And we did it, I guess, slightly differently to other wine brands, as you know, traditionally people go through the you know, different importers, distributors, through shops, where we were. DTC and I guess it's nice being able to speak to customers directly and and having that sort of feedback straight away and being able to speak to them and also yeah delivering sort of direct from our website which was um, a little bit different I guess Um, obviously the DTC space has grown hugely over the last few years and obviously particularly with COVID and we sort of um, sort of caught that wave.
0: So would you would you have not started this business if it hadn't been for COVID? Or has there, had there always been an idea that you wanted to try and
1: get into this industry? So, no, I don't think we would have started Emmy if it weren't for COVID. I think it was definitely something that was a project that was inspired, you know, because we were at home during lockdown. I'm a marketer, so my background is marketing, and I'm also a photographer, and I have a social media agency called Roden. So, you know, we were at home, and...
2: My sort of background was I quit my job uh, prior to that to get into the wine business, wine tourism specifically. Um, And so I, my family are in wine. My dad's got a shop and um, a bit of wholesale back in Oxfordshire. And we, so I was working in property for about eight years in London um, in commercial real estate and then quit to create a business, which is more of a wine tourism business called Vines, um, and obviously not great timing with covid um so slightly panicking um i just quit like a reasonably good job and uh now suddenly this has happened and you know at the grand old age of whatever we were 31 or 2 then um moving back in with my folks in Oxfordshire and so my dad's business was mainly wholesale so i saw that go overnight from you know pubs and restaurants ordering wine to literally nothing and you know that was sort of you very worrying for for him and then but by contrast sort of got saved by the direct consumer sort of people ordering through the website they had, they had a pretty old website which suddenly got loaded traffic and i was helping out and sort of that's what sort of give, gave us the idea you know let's create our own and we had some contacts obviously in the wine business and thought we, we can do this and let's create a sort of a brand and uh, which is sort of dtc you know, and I think you remember at the time it was pretty amazing weather. and We created a rosé brand with um, with a was a winery we know well, and um, and yeah, that's sort of how it all starts started a bit of bit of fun, a bit of a sort of charity project. You know, we raising money for charity water, which we still do, um, and we sold out within seven weeks, and sort of went from there. Really.
0: So I love the way you say we just sort of decided to do it, and then it happened. But which I you know, and I'm sure that is sort of retrospectively how you guys recall it, but. This is a this is an industry which is quite highly regulated. It's not a, an industry in which you can just create any product. You have to have suppliers. You have to think about things like bottle shape. And you have to... It's quite a snobby industry also. People have quite a lot to say um, about, well, specifically red and white wine, which might have been why you chose to do a rosé to begin with. But <clears throat> in terms of practical steps, was it that you sat there and thought, marketplace is telling us there's an interest in this i'm watching sort of in real time my dad go through this shift we've got the capacity to create a product that looks different to what's on the shelf because of our kind of marketing creative side and we know a supplier so in theory we've got access to all all the right bits was it that straightforward what were the kind of early days like
2: yeah you're yeah you're you're sort of right i guess Obviously, a lot more went into it than sort of we just said then. But yeah, we I think fundamentally, as you say, wine is uh, can be a bit of a sort of traditional industry, and uh, we wanted to create something which didn't necessarily talk about terroir or, or great varieties or this sort of stuff. We wanted to create a really good product and and make a great brand and have an awesome customer service and create something in this space which could be. Uh, just quite fun and you know, just a bit different to to people often scared of wine. There's a lot of you know snobbery, as you said, sort of involved in it. And and I see that from you know wearing the other hat from sort of being in, in the wine business. Where 95% of consumers don't really care too much. You know, you, you if you, it, the more you talk about the sort of technical details of wine, you can do about Amy, but you know people sort of turn off. And you want to make it and using Abby's sort of skill set, creating this brand um which we can then and then using the timing of covid and sort of direct consumer sort of you know what habits and um and then using i guess sort of some of the infrastructure we had in place already we could create this um and then obviously well, I think that of helped a lot.
1: a lot yeah because we did have a warehouse that we could store the the wine in we had all of the documents that were needed
2: yeah so the the initial run we did through sort of through um my dad's business and then obviously now we're a separate entity got our own warehousing and and all that that's evolved completely but yes as you say the um it is not as easy for anyone just to just to do so it was useful having that sort of weigh in
1: and I think it's important to say as well this was just a little project that we wanted to start it was kind of like a lockdown project we weren't really going in with big business plans um
2: yeah but then having said that I think um this is where you did an amazing job of, of creating sort of the fundamental bones of a great business with the branding. Um, you know, we're partnering with the right people. Sort of Jessica did our artwork on our label.
1: Jessica Yolanda Kay, she's amazing. Her art is so beautiful.
2: You know, her, Hermani with um, Underwood who helped with PR at the beginning, and 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 then gr- and also just utilising sort of the momentum of the time and using things like social media just to really get it out there and. And have a great time with it and um and then also sort of raise money for charity water water, which has always sort of been a you know part of the website. So any orders through the website, you know, a pound goes to charity water. So it was just sort of a, a bit of a fun project. I think we always did think, you know, after a week or two, actually this is this could be something. And I think we didn't skip around skip anything, you know, we trademarked it or we got all the bright licenses in place and we did it sort of properly. And uh, thank God we did because, um, you know, it's sort of evolved since then.
0: It's an interesting, it's interesting the things that you guys pick up because I think I've, I've run a business for 10 years and I've been able to meet some really brilliant brands and the businesses that have a combination of marketing ability and then the kind of business side, which obviously you guys probably both have over with. But for me, what you guys created was the perfect storm from the product in terms of you had this beautiful illustration, you had this beautiful bottle, the content looked amazing. And I do think that's sometimes overlooked with new brands. They think if their product's good, that's sort of enough. But how did you decide where to market it? Because business is now launching, obviously TikTok has a very young audience. So I don't know how many 14 to 17-year-old, you know, binge drinkers there are on TikTok, maybe a few. But Instagram was, I saw it everywhere. I saw journalists constantly posting about it. I know you got lots of good PR. Um, it was shared by lots of kind of cool, sexy people. And it was a real, it was a real it moment for you guys in terms of it became the product people wanted to have, to sort of show off, to style, to have on the bar, you know, on the side, but also actually consuming it. That was kind of a key part of it. It wasn't just an accessory. How did you know sort of where to make the product show up from a marketing perspective when you launched it?
1: I think, um, you know, as a social media marketer, I think for me, I just immediately saw this brand being on Instagram and all over Instagram. And a big part of our strategy was gifting influencers and journalists. And like Will said, Hermione Underwood, who's one of our really good friends, came on and she helped us with the PR at the beginning. So I think for us, that was kind of, you know, we didn't have a marketing budget either. We didn't have a budget. So it was kind of like, how can we utilize our relationships and our network and our friends to kind of get the word out there? So Instagram kind of just seemed like a no-brainer for that. And then in terms of creative, I think because I'm a photographer, Instagram to me is the platform that I love the most. So I think you know, being super visual and just showing content that people would love to relate to, and kind of like aspiring and inspiring them to to kind of want to be a part of that was a big part of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And as you say, you know, there's you you've got to have quality to back it up. And there's you know, hundreds of thousands of wines out there, but you want something which stands off the shelf. And I think, or or the theoretical shelf because we're sort of online mainly, um, but. Yeah, and that's what and that's what sort of we were able to, to do. And I think also we captured quite a nice wave with Instagram where so many brands w- weren't marketing and there was sort of less traffic, I guess, on there. And I think we didn't do any paid at all, but I know people who did do paid sort of saw amazing results during that period. And I think with that, we, um, we benefited usually.
0: So we know what was happening more broadly with consumer sensibility with regards to COVID. <clears throat> Everyone was locked up. People were you know drinking earlier and earlier in the day what was what what was happening or or what was the shape of the wine industry when you launched because to me there are I don't um I'm not a big drinker obviously I know I've got a lot of friends who are and two parents who are but um we talked about snobbery in the wine industry. We talked about, you know, it's quite monopolized. You've got these big suppliers, you've got these big stores like Majestic and these other people know about and hear about. And then there's um, Berry Brothers and all these other people that kind of really help you choose these very special, expensive products. And it's very occasion oriented. We've seen wine in a can appear. We've seen the beginnings of other ways to consume the product and it kind of opening out as a category for you guys did you have any fear that the market would just not respond to you or um that you might that it was quite disruptive I mean I know that's a good a good thing in many ways but what was happening in the in the wine industry and what was your expectation of how you would be received launching the
1: product into it your dad definitely had a fear of like, what are you doing? <laughs> because he's so traditional in the wine world.
2: Yeah. It's like bringing over several thousands of bottles. Like, well, how are you going to sell this? <laughs> and they get, yeah, I guess it was a complete pun, but our, our sort of um, thinking was, you know, if we, if, if as long as we can try and break even, you know, then we'll just have a load of wine to sort of give to our friends or whatever. But, and we didn't order vast amounts that first time. Um, but we, yeah we sold out so so then we went again and we had that opportunity but i think in the wine industry like, we didn't really focus on that i wasn't we weren't trying to i wasn't even trying to sell through my my, you know, my dad's company i wasn't even trying to sell through anyone we, we were just going direct consumer which i think is so unusual i don't know you know, normally to to reach the consumers in wine you have to go through these sort of layers your french winemaker will go to a importer who will then get it to you know maybe a distributor or, or into big retail or into the trade and um obviously the trade wasn't selling any wine because none of the restaurants and pubs were obviously retail was doing loads but so it's a very different way and it's happening as you say some of these some of these can wine brands are doing a great job you know that if you want to be snobs they can be snobs but there's no reason like cans are great you know it's no there's there's no difference in in the actual sort of Material And, you know, like people who don't like screw tops it's like, is like there, there's no actual difference. So it's unless potentially a very premium red wine, but it's is all it's all perception. And we are sort of flipping that on its head by doing a branding exercise with wine, you know, we, we marketing and this sort of stuff being around in the wine industry for, for years and years, you know. A lot of Bordeaux is rubbish. You know, there's obviously there's some amazing stuff like Champagne. has got this name, Champagne. You know, we see these days English sparkling wine often beats it. Sometimes, you know, there's obviously some really quality wines from these areas. Um, but a lot of people use the brand and the name, and a lot of bigger states do that as well. And and then a lot of them just use market power by having shelf space in a lot of the, the supermarkets, um, which we didn't have the, the luxury to do. Obviously, so we yeah we sort of did it the other way, and we're now sort of after you know. Two almost eighteen months, two years in, we're now looking at going the more wholesale route, obviously to to grow the business, um, but doing it from the sort of reverse way.
1: Yeah,
0: I think it's so interesting. I mean, I've worked with um, Spirit Brands, I worked with Patron, and with Chase, and worked with. I did some stuff with Nice Wine. Lucy's a, a pal of mine, and I continue mine. But I just, I, I think what you guys have created is amazing because it's it's so difficult to launch a business that has. You, an unavoidable millennial pink because of rose and through Instagram in lockdown and it not become this like teeny bopper sort of tacky Instagram brand it's such a clean attractive proposition I, do, I mean I guess maybe that's reflective of yeah, you, know, you guys are probably similar age to me that the goal wasn't that it becomes like you know Uh, a girl sitting in a bath with loads of glitter around her like it wasn't you know that that's which is quite an easy thing to fall into from a clickbait perspective but it's definitely um incredibly stylish and I certainly lots of my mates talk about it and know about it so I think it's um it's the mark for me that I think is really interesting is that three or four years ago, there weren't really any brands doing what you've done, because the market penetration was so saturated with these traditional brands. And now, with what you've done, and I know there's a couple of other people doing interesting things in the space, whether it's cans or whatever else, it it's hard to think about a time that that didn't exist. And I think that's a really interesting measure of cultural shift is when you're sort of leading a trend that help that it's sort of unimaginable now to think about those kind of products not existing. Um, In terms of your relationship, so obviously co-founders, Will, you mentioned you just um, left a job sort of at the beginning of the pandemic. A lot of pressure. The world was upside down anyway, so everyone was sort of a bit wobbly just generally in terms of uncertainty. You then moved back in with your parents you don't have a job and you're having a punt at a new business, perhaps the best time to start a business when you've literally got nothing to lose and loads of time. But how how have the last 18 months been for you guys, sort of professionally and personally? Have you found it easy to navigate running a business? Has it been a whirlwind? Has it been incredibly stressful? What's that been like?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I guess you're right. It's been a whirlwind for sure. Um, yeah, moving back into your folk for that a job at, in in your early 30s probably isn't ideal. Uh, and then doing sort of delivery stuff. But we always sort of I I wanted to do something, and um, and I quit my job obviously before COVID. Probably should have hung around, and got some got some furlough. But oh well. Um, and then yeah, started this. And what? Well, and Ab- Ab- Abby, we're very lucky because Abby's got her own business, so that still pays the bills. Um and but it was interesting really getting to the deep end with this business and and the wine industry at large. And um and just yeah, I guess that sort of made me slight sense of desperation. It just makes you work really hard. And you know, during that period there wasn't loads else going on. So obviously we were and it was so much fun. We were working hard, you know, we were doing deliveries, we we're doing literally just going for it. Um and and things moved so quickly, you know, month to month, you know, lots changed in the business and um and now sort of going back to more normal times, I guess it's stabilizing out a bit more, but it's still, yeah, things change very quickly.
1: I think too, because you were at, say, mentioned our relationship working together. I think we work really well together and we worked together before, you know, in my agency, Will's the person who encouraged me to just, you know, set up the company and cause I was just freelancing. Um, and he kind of led the charge on that for me. And now He's the director of the company. He still does all of the accounting and the business side of things and HR. Um, and I'm definitely more the marketer and creative. And I think for me, it kind of works in the same way. He's the wine guy. I don't really know much about wine. I'm learning definitely, <laughs> but um, I think I'm definitely more the marketing and creative side of things. And you're more the strategic business side of things. Yeah,
2: for sure. There's no. There's like, it's like it works quite well because there's pretty defined roles. And um, although, yeah, obviously for for a large part of COVID within our little 400 square foot apartment and, uh, you know, working together, living together, it can be quite intense sometimes, but it's awesome. We love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's probably no better test than that, right? Like lock yourself <laughs> in a house for two years and start a business and quit your job. It's like you know, <laughs> a pretty good way to figure it out. Um, what were some of the challenges that you faced in the last two years? Were there did you have sort of supply, shipping issues? Did you get any product through that was, you know, broken or didn't work? Did you have anyone, any orders go missing? You know, what were the sort of challenges that you had and and how did you overcome them?
2: Yeah, I guess um, like supply chain issues have been a is- big issue um, and delays of getting wine sort of sent over from France. Um yeah, I, I swear most curators play football with the with the wine boxes, and um, so sometimes yeah, you got yeah you, know, you you got losses there which you need to make up for, and just have, but trying to make sure you know customer service is really good. You know, just straight away get get them refunded or sorted out. So you know those those teasing like just management issues or just everyday operational issues are always there. Um, I guess we've had bigger ones as well in terms of we're trying to export wine we've been doing you know recently we're we're doing more wholesale and you know sort of naively I've never we haven't got barcodes on our wine for example and that's something all big retail and sort of that sort of side want so yeah we had a big order the other day um, which got sent back because of that and so um, yeah we may be manually adding barcodes to thousand odd bottles um, but yeah no, that's something we'll sort out and it's it's a learning process um, but no it's there's definitely lots of ups and downs.
0: Yeah I know it's useful to hear because I think there's so much now with regards to the perception of what it's like to run a business I know some industries are sexier than others and I think you know anything consumer facing that has a product that encourages people to have a good time together and also you know looks good as a product is probably in an, an easier um proposition to to build out on social media with with particularly you know image-led platforms but there's sometimes a the reality of running a business is not shared online by other people because you know there's a balance between what's professional and what's sort of too personal to share there is now a bit of a marker on social media of people hyping up everything that they are doing so highlighting all the wins and perhaps omitting some of the things that are a bit harder do you guys have a good relationship with social media and and i guess personally and professionally again but appreciate that you do have a business that is sort of dedicated to that but um you know for your own Discipline scrolling. What, what's your relationship like with social media? And, and do you feel like you've had
1: good role models that you found through the platform? For me, social obviously, I work in it every day and I do it, you know, we do it for clients. So for me personally, I struggle with, I don't really, when I do get on my own personal one, I don't really find myself scrolling. I just find myself, you know, it, And I think this is something else I would like to be better at is I just I'll post like two months after I was on a trip or something. I'm not really showing more like, you know, real life day to day things. So I think um, for me, it's not really it's something I should probably utilize more because I do think it helps founders of businesses kind of share their stories. But I don't find that I am using it enough. Um, But when it comes to scrolling and looking at others, I really enjoy when I find someone who is real and who does show the, you know, the real side of of what's happening with their businesses and not all the the highs. So, yeah, I think I think definitely finding a balance. And, and you know, for me, that is important as well. When I do post, if something maybe negative, I think that's one thing, too. You know, if something happens in my life that is upsetting and, you know, I have things I want to be posting. I feel a little weird posting day-to-day things in life if maybe something's happening with a friend or a family member's ill or something like that I find it a bit tricky to to post on there because I feel like what you said it's not always real life and I don't want people to get the impression that my life is perfect and nothing bad ever happens to me Mm. when things really are maybe happening in the background I think that's a struggle
2: but then from a business perspective I guess you know I obviously didn't know a huge amount of Office, the mm-hmm. I knew obviously Instagram I Abby works in this world and it's amazing like what she's managed to utilize for our company. So the the benefits are so great, especially for small businesses. You know, people complain about these platforms the whole time. And yes, there are bad elements, but you know, they can be so useful. And it's about people being just, I think, responsible with with how they use it. And um I think that's probably so
1: useful for businesses. That's why I think I should be utilizing it more for my own. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And I guess from you, it's it's been quite nice because it's it's your brand. You haven't had Mm. to, um, normally it's clients or whatever, and you you have to do what they want. But it's quite nice just running with it and being a sort of a company you can just run with and do what you want.
1: That's the best thing for me about Ami is that we've had full control over the brand and the business. So I think from a marketing perspective we get the ideas and we can just do it. We don't have to wait for someone to give us the green light or get approvals. And, you know, a lot of people that we work with maybe don't understand, like, the strategy and the content calendars and everything's planned out and it's in place. And then, you know, all of a sudden they maybe send something there on WhatsApp that they want up right that second. And it just kind of messes up all the hard work that we put into things. But with that, me, we don't really have to worry about that because we're the ones doing it, which is really good Makes
0: There's some crazy statistics now about how many millennials look up a brand on Instagram before they look at their website. So I guess as a kind of discovery tool, it's uh, really important for your core audience Um, We talked earlier, you mentioned, Will, briefly that you didn't do paid spend on social right at the beginning. What are some of the best investments that you've made in the business? And if so, where have you wasted money?
2: Question Well, I we haven't really had the luxury of because it's been self funded, we've just used profits and just reinvested, you know, taking basically no money out of the business at all. And we've grown it very organically, and whether that's through sort of organic social, um, and we did your pop up events this year, we're going to do more. We've got some more sort of budget to to do more stuff, um, in terms of in person events, potentially a summer long pop up we're going to be doing in London, um. But I guess because of the fact we haven't had the luxury of sort of, you know, a sudden windfall of, you know, 500,000 of investment, you know, we can buy loads of stuff and waste and spend a lot of money. I think sometimes you can get sidetracked into just spending stuff, slight vanity. And, you know, I think same with sort of paid sexual. Yes, you can, it's a tough one. You can, you can maybe spend, a load and get a load more turnover but your your bottom line staying the same or actually worse so is it is it vanity turnover i think i we are we're working with more wholesale partners and, and going down those two more traditional channels this year as well we got a lot planned but i think we're just we are quite tight with our purse strings just for pure necessity really
0: yeah i mean it's it's probably a better attitude than the opposite which is being fast and loose with your, <laughs> with your purse strings um you mentioned obviously your dad and and his kind of experience. It may well be uh, from him, but what's the best piece of advice that you guys have ever been given about running a business?
2: Um, my grandpa used to always say it's 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit, it's, a, it's having that creative idea within, I guess, it's about working bloody hard at it, which I guess is uh is one which I could think of off the top of my head um well so anything else you can think which is a great bit of advice
1: I really love my old boss her name's Debbie she used to always say don't ask don't get and I think you know in terms of business if say you want to do a collaboration with a brand and you maybe think they're way too big for you or out of your reach I just think don't ask don't get you know you might as well ask and see you never know I think that's I love to live by that one with in life in general. I think it's a good
2: one. Abby's American personality coming out—that <laughs> um, yeah, is good. You're very good at that, and um, and yeah, just getting—I guess people people on board. And yeah, we we we, do, we Yeah, we're going to do a few more things like that this year, and just reaching out. And these days, you can just reach out to a lot of people directly um, and find people. And if you want if you want to be in a certain shop, you sort of you get on LinkedIn or you get on whatever, and you sort of start. You you just go for it.
0: Mm. the British sensibility is to like immediately apologize as soon as you ask for anything and just like you know leave the room but no it's good advice I think a lot of people don't start businesses or don't feel that they can ask for collaborations or they don't contact a certain influencer because they're worried they're not going to get a reply or they're worried that um, you know they might be told no but You know, to to your point, if if people aren't sort of putting themselves out there, then those opportunities just aren't even available to them. So I'm sure you guys messaged some influencers who didn't reply. I'm sure most did. But, you know, it's part of the process. (laughs) Do you do you take time? Have you found time in the last year or so to enjoy running the business and it growing and all the achievements? Or has it been a bit of a relentless pursuit? Yeah, I think
1: we definitely celebrate. You know, wins together. I don't know. I mean, it's just us, so it's not like we have a big team to celebrate
2: with. Yeah, we got we got part time people helping out in different aspects of the business, but it really is at the moment just sort of I mean myself. Still, we are this. That will change this year probably um, with a couple of potential hires. But we, um, yeah, it's it is yeah, it was great. All these little wins are amazing.
1: Even you know on Shopify, when you get an order, it gives you the little noise like the ching. We still, if we have the phone on, we're like. Woo! I mean it's still so exciting. No it should be I mean I think that that that's
0: something that people get desensitized to over time and actually you know you should be celebrating as you go. What have you found to be the biggest myth or assumption about running a business and and has it stacked up?
2: Uh, Yeah I guess as you say a lot of it's not glamorous particularly when you uh, when you go through I look at the lens of social but yeah a lot of it is just uh, a lot of a lot of work but I think you need to also because you can quite often be I find myself doing like this like reactive and just sort of you, suddenly I think I've got a pretty clear week and then you know your reply your emails are coming and I think you do need those moments to think about the bigger picture you know sit down have a proper strategy session what are we going to do by this month what are we going to be doing here and uh sometimes uh, just you know going out on a run for like an hour just would you know clear my head you sometimes these things sort of come to you um but yeah, because you can't just be quite reactive and reactive, and and not think bigger picture. So I think, yeah, it's just it is a lot of work, but it is you got to enjoy the, the ups. The stresses get more, I guess. So, so that's you know now the yeah you know, numbers get bigger and and you know orders and all these sort of things. Um, but you got to remember why you're doing it and remember, you know, I'm not getting on my scooter and. In, in January and going across the yeah, East London and first thing in the morning and things like that and a boss I didn't like and that sort of stuff. So I quite like. Don't yeah. say that. She might listen to the
1: podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she, she, brought it, she brought it. Huge, huge listenership, guys. You may well. <laughs> you never know. But no, it's um. Yeah, it's, it's I guess, a really reflective opportunity for you guys too, because there's been so many positives with being able to spend more time with friends and family and each other and kind of really find a way to run the business alongside sort of what you're already doing. Are you daunted by what the next step would be, which is, you know, bigger relation, relationships with bigger retailers, obviously working with, you know, suppliers, and then the kind of big grocery situation with uh some of the big supermarkets and sort of what that means is there is there a, a sort of awareness from you guys that okay so you know we've been doing this now for nearly two years and it's been successful but actually like there's a whole nother level up that that's going to be required
2: yeah we're, we're sort of we're going through that process talking to a lot of people and we are gradually sort of getting to that,
1: that i think it's daunting but it's exciting yeah exactly and i think um for, for us it's like maybe a capacity thing we know that we need help if we're going to be doing that and I think right now
2: it's just which way that help comes in We yeah we sort of whether it's investment whether it's we grow in certain areas first and then go to other areas you know just making yeah that daunting but sort of exciting sort of proposition of what's coming up
0: it's oh, exciting um how do you keep learning do you listen to podcasts do you read do you chat to people online? I mean, what is your process for making sure
1: that you keep learning? I think for me, podcast is something, it's something new that I've been enjoying because of Will, I think. You listen to a ton. Um, but definitely learning from founder stories on podcasts like yours, it's amazing. And then definitely Instagram and connecting with other founders and other entrepreneurs, people who are doing similar things in the industry is always helpful. Um, just on Sunday... My friend India Semi, the India Edit, she had she hosted a lunch of eight women. And that and her and her friend Layla actually hosted the lunch, Layla Godfrey. But they brought together, you know, eight women from different and like different doing different things. And but the, the whole purpose was to bring them together to kind of connect them and encourage them to maybe collaborate together or learn from each other. And at that lunch was Liv from Trip. And I had never met her before, but it was so cool to sit with her. And we, we spoke for like an hour just talking about our businesses. And it, I just think doing things like that, always say yes, if someone invites you to something like that, because you never know who you'll meet or the connection that you might make and how it could benefit you and your business and what you're doing. So I think that's definitely a big thing for learning for me is just always trying to say yes and networking and connecting with other people who are doing similar things.
2: Yeah, Abby's completely right, just sort of being a yes person and sort of meeting people and just chatting to loads of different people in the industry or other similar fields. And, uh, and yeah, I bloody love podcasts as well, including yours.
0: That's very kind. Nice. I mean. It's so good, yeah. Um, what's your definition of success?
1: Oh, God.
2: I think, I think just enjoying <laughs> it, you've got to, like, you've just got to enjoy it. You know, you, 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 you go down this path because you want to do something yourself, you know. And if you're if you're worried about you know a certain target of money or whatever it is you're only going to worry about the next one or the next one and you'll never actually be happy you've got if, if you don't enjoy it now you know obviously some more in a few years time hopefully be a bit more financially stable with the business and you'll be able to actually start you know investing in more other areas and taking money out of the business and that sort of thing but it's very much i think just really enjoying it and if, and i think just accomplishments and growth and achievements, even their small wins, like little things, you know, amazing new restaurants taking us on, or, or you know, we've had a, a record month on, on our website or whatever it is. It's just really enjoying those small, small moments.
1: I think another one for me that gets me really excited, it's a small thing, but it's so exciting as if a friend goes to, you know, a stranger's home and they see a bottle of Ami on the shelf or, on the table you know we've had friends who will be at a dinner party and they'll send a picture of the ami yeah, on the table it's so exciting because we don't know that person and it's through like a friend of a friend or a friend mm. and that always gets me super excited
2: yeah and I guess uh you know without building that like, this year we're building a a, a well down in Uganda with, char- with charity water which is so cool so actually you know actually that being happening in real life now is Really fun, like it was just you know a thing on our website. We put money in every month, and then now we've actually got to that level where we can now build a well. And hopefully next year we we'll have to build another well if we can keep keep raising funds through our website that way. So that's like an actual making a real difference too, which is which is awesome.
0: So you guys are both super busy. Productivity can be challenging in an environment where everyone is expected to be busy we're all supposed to be doing more we're supposed to be out a lot but also working on our wellness but also becoming sort of at-home chefs launching a business having a stable <laughs> relationship having six-pack um with that in mind if you had an extra hour in the day what would you use it for going to pilates every
1: single day <laughs>
2: yeah
1: I'm, uh, truly that's what i would do every day reformer <laughs> I love those beds. I mean, they're, they're miracles. Oh my god, so good.
2: Yeah, I guess it's a good question, isn't it? It's so hard. We always say like, are we gonna wake up at seven and go for a morning walk. You know, for, for fifteen minutes before before we start work. But yeah, not just getting up straight away and cracking into emails. And next thing you know, it's yeah, you have coffee and you're. It's, yeah, I think um,
1: maybe maybe it's not Pilates every day, but um, a good wellness routine for each morning would be what I would like to do maybe that's my goal for this year and try to get into a better routine in the mornings
2: we've been better recently <laughs> and <then> also <laughs> turn, turning your phone off at night as well sometimes or you know that like putting the laptop shutting it at you know a certain time because you sometimes you work till like you know 11 or whatever and you get to bed and your mind's racing you don't actually get sleep you're you're bad at that and get you better at that <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know it's funny though that like the 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 wellness piece has to be an additional hour because Sometimes I think, same as you guys, you're like, okay, I'm going to like nail it. I'm going to do like breath work this morning for 10 minutes. I mean, I could do that. That's available to me. And then obviously you never do it. And then sometimes I think if I did that, like, would it transform my life? Maybe it would. But then you get up and as you say, coffee, there's immediately something to do. And then it's 4 p.m. And you're like, well, I might as well work till 10. So yeah, I mean, it's a it's a challenge finding that balance. What's next for you guys? What can we expect to see? Um, this year and beyond
2: it's sort of the next step really for yeah as you mentioned the trade on and off trade which is sort of yeah going down a more wholesale route we're doing a lot with weddings as well this year sort of wedding venues caterers um and then so yes a lot of those channels which aren't traditional channels maybe as well so pushing that as far as we can push it and then going down the more traditional channels too and then yeah we're in talks to do some sort of more in-person activations as well which will be awesome and another way of really getting sort of the brand out there Um, we've got an exciting new product launch coming in the next month or two so that'll be really fun and then we're we're working on a few other things as well like that
1: I think doing more experiential in-person events as well hopefully we'll be able to get our community together and do supper clubs and kind of you know panels and things like that as well now hopefully things are better
0: awesome well, i wish you guys the best i've no doubt it, you know i'll continue to see it everywhere and, and all the things you want to do you will so i appreciate you taking time out of the day to chat to me i'm sure for lots of people um this will be really interesting and inspiring there's lots of people who've who've tried to start a business in covid and not been as successful as you so no doubt there'll be lots of things they can learn so thank
1: you very much thank you thank you so much for having us